I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, plenty to get to today. Uh, I started looking at some headlines. Well, i be honest, I look at them all the time. Would it be possible that the U.S. could fall down into a deep, dark recession and we would never even know it? Would they be able to actually not tell us and we wouldn't think it's happening? And it's interesting. I started, I started thinking about where we are, some of the numbers that have been reported things that aren't really looked at in their totality, and then what we've just witnessed over the past, really, five to ten years, where where narratives are created that we, we don't trust our eyes, our ears, our own experiences. We actually just wait to be told uh, what's going on. So there's some uh, economic news we'll get into uh, today. And then Thomas Massey is fighting an interesting fight, I think. Uh, in Congress right now, Thomas Massey being the Republican congressman, one of the probably the greatest congressmen to ever serve. Uh, and he is fighting a fight uh, really against something a lot of conservatives hold pretty dear. And I think he's worth listening to. I'm going to give you a couple of things he's talking about, but it's, he's he's battling against E-Verify. And I think it's uh, I think he makes some points that conservatives would be wise to uh, to take into consideration uh, E-Verify being the Are You Legal to Work in This Country national database. Hopefully, just by me saying national database, maybe some tiny alarm bells go off. Uh, E-Verify may not be exactly what we think it is, and uh, he's fighting a fight against it. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, quote of the day today, I ran across one from Jeffrey A. Tucker. He's a He's a brilliant writer. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker said, Vast amounts of the world's problems would be solved if humanity were given a 15-day remedial course in logic. Now, in theory that sounds good, but how many people, even if given a deep dive into thinking logically, would even be capable of it at this point? And I'm sure people have always been irrational, but I know very few people, very few people right now, use actual logic in their conclusions, particularly when it comes to political things. You know, I was watching, uh, as I do, I, it's a strange segment of this show, but I comment regularly on me watching old SEC football. I love SEC football, and I was watching the 2020 Georgia-Mississippi State game. So this was in the fall of 2020. This is the uh, heart of COVID hysteria. And it just struck me. I mean, in, in speaking about logic, that, that are people even capable of thinking logically anymore? The referees are running around with their neck gaiters. 
And, and I really wonder now, even today, with everything that we know, or at least the people who are paying attention to what we know, is there even any embarrassment uh, that we went through this ritual? The neck gaiters. This is basically like a sock. It's supposed to rain today. I guess these referees will walk around with chain-link fence over their heads to keep themselves from getting wet. Obviously, the neck gaiters did absolutely nothing. But the insanity continues as... People are still wearing these masks. People wearing masks these days kind of remind me of like those old Japanese soldiers you heard about after World War II on the remote islands with no communication. They never got word that the war was over. <laughs> That's about what I think about. Every time I see people uh, in the mask in that football game, Kirby Smart, the coach uh, of the Georgia Bulldogs, was just religious on keeping his neck gator up as he coached the game. What was interesting, though, was Mike Leach... The coach of Mississippi State Bulldogs, Mike Leach, never pulled his mask, his neck gaiter up. It's just another, another mark in the genius of Mike Leach. And what seems to be sadly ironic is that while he survived COVID without using the ridiculous neck gaiter, he may have been killed by the vaccine that was supposedly the thing to get us through it. Of course, we don't know that. It also struck me, too. Do you remember in 2020? You weren't supposed to gather with more than just a few people. And the fact that they were having these sporting events, you know, the stadiums were bare. by 17,000, 20,000 people were allowed. Everybody could sit in their groups of four interspersed throughout all of the stands. Because, again, we lost our collective minds. Nothing scientific about that whatsoever. But uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Do you remember the rash of football players who died after that 2020 season? Yeah, me either. Because it didn't happen. These are guys, no mask, huffing and puffing on each other. The linemen spending 150 plays in each other's face, huffing and puffing on each other, and absolutely nothing happened. But they told us that the rest of us couldn't gather for a church service. We couldn't go to a concert. We couldn't be anywhere near people. If you're standing in line at the bank, please, sir, back up six feet. It is just... It is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it, and it also says to me, you know, when you think about higher education, we believe that intelligence is somehow tied to higher education in college. And I was watching those games just thinking, well, that's quite obviously not the case, is it? These higher institutions of, air quotes here in the studio, learning certainly did not equate to any level of intelligence in any way when it came around to COVID and Reminded me of a, a quote from Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, quote, I was educated once. It took me years to get over it. <laughs> I think we can all uh, identify with that quote these days. And uh, here's my real quote of the day. This is from Caitlin Johnstone. She's a great writer. I think she's a socialist. Uh, but she's a you know, she's one of these lefties who sees the truth. She kind of understands the game, and I fully support her getting as many as her her pals together as they want to to practice their own form of socialism. As a matter of fact, I encourage it because I know how quickly it will fail, and I think it may be the only way that socialists learn that human nature is not well-suited to socialism. But Caitlin Johnstone, is a uh, she's a great writer, and here is something that she put out. She said, your rulers do not care what race you are. They do not care if you are gay, transgendered, or non-binary. They do not care how many bullets you are allowed to have in your gun. They do not care if you're allowed to have an abortion or not. 
They do not care whether you are racist, sexist, ageist, xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic, or fatphobic. They do not care about the diverse representation in politics or media, and they do not care about any lack thereof. All they care about is that we all keep thinking, speaking, working, consuming, and voting in ways which keep them rich and powerful and keep us poor and powerless. And they will happily keep us arguing as intensely as possible about the things they do not care about so that we don't turn our attention to the things they do care about. And sometimes uh, I had this quote ready to go for a few days, and sometimes things just kind of pop up that really kind of bolster a quote of the day. This was interesting. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with a guy named Peter Flatter, uh, Flaherty, F-L-A-H-E-R-T-Y, Peter Flaherty. He is the chairman and chief executive officer of the National Legal and Policy Center, the NLPC. He's a longtime anti-corruption activist who has successfully pursued some of the most powerful members of Congress. Now, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. I really was not familiar with him at all. But when I read in his bio that he he is actively, he has, excuse me, has successfully pursued some of the most powerful members of Congress, I already liked the guy. Well, the reason his name uh, came to my attention was uh, recently he spoke at Warren Buffett's, you know, every year. I can't remember what they call it, but Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has their big shareholder meeting. Oh, it's a big it's a big hullabaloo. One of the richest men on earth, he brings in shareholders and they do their presentations. And, you know, Warren Buffett, just that good old, old-fashioned, aw shucks dude. Warren Buffett is actually a horrific globalist who made massive amounts of money during the 2008-2009 uh, financial crisis by basically having the government backstop everything he did. He went in and bought assets for pennies on the dollar with government guarantees that if he lost any money, the taxpayers would pay for it. So he's not fooling me with his aw shucks demeanor. But he's also very good friends with Bill Gates. Anyway, this Peter Flaherty at this Berkshire Hathaway meeting, you want to talk about courage. At this Berkshire Hathaway meeting, uh, Peter Flaherty stood up. Let me find out why I've I've already got a a video play in here. Uh, Twitter can be tricky sometimes. Uh, He he stood up during this uh, shareholders meeting. And this is what Peter Flaherty said. You know, shareholders come up and talk, and they, they genuflect in front of Warren Buffett, and they talk about how great it is to live in the 0.01%. Well, Peter Flaherty got up and said this. Oh, where is he? Well, let me go back to the one clip that I know works. There was a longer clip there where basically he gets up and he starts talking about uh, Warren Buffett's tight connection to Bill Gates. And he goes on to talk about the fact that the Gates Foundation is funding a lot of these woke programs. And, you know, and one, of the, uh, one of the censors there, one of, one of Berkshire Hathaway's thugs, or Karens, I guess, starts to try to tell him to shut up. And he basically says to the woman, uh, I have a right to speak here. I'm on the podium. Uh, you're not going to censor what I say. The crowd is obviously fairly dumbfounded, but he, he ends with this. We know how much Bill Gates cares about children. He met and traveled with Jeffrey Epstein many times after Epstein's victim's sex crimes. The Gates Foundation has a huge influence on the COVID response fiasco. The Gates Foundation may be the largest single donor to the dark money machine known as Arabella Associates. We don't. It funds causes like defunding our police, making American cities unlivable. 
I know that's not great audio, but what you hear in the background is Warren Buffett, who's up on the big screen there at his shareholders meeting, basically calling calling for the cops. If you want to know what happened to this man, this Peter Flaherty, the chairman and chief executive officer of the NLPC, the National Legal and Policy Center, who has successfully pursued some of the most powerful members of Congress uh, with anti-corruption measures. Uh, If you want to know what happened happened to him, he was hauled out and arrested by the cops. They were doing their heroic duty of helping Warren Buffett cover up for his buddy Jeffrey Epstein. Those few words that that man spoke. At the Berkshire Hathaway thing, those few words he said behind a lectern at a shareholders meeting in uh, Nebraska resulted in more of an interaction with and prosecution by law enforcement than any of the men who actually ritually abused, sexually abused young girls for decades uh, at Epstein's properties. So the cops are there. They're there to protect Warren Buffett. Oh, yeah. they and, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, I can kind of sympathize with a police officer if the organiz, uh, organizer of an event says this person is being disruptive. They need to be removed. But this cop was uh, he, the, the guy who he snatched him. He was very enthusiastic about making sure that this person who dared to interrupt the genteel nature, uh, nature of the Warren Buffett shareholder meeting, they made sure they rousted this guy, snatched him up, and dragged him out of the uh, out of the facility. So there has been there has been an arrest made in the Jeffrey Epstein issue. <laughs> it was somebody who talked about it in public in front of Warren Buffett. Nice job, officer. You're right back. I was born a shotgun in my hands behind the gun. I'll make my final. There was some big news out yesterday. Apparently, Tucker Carlson is coming back, and he is going to be appearing on Twitter. This actually made me very angry, uh, not because I dislike Tucker Carlson. I'm glad he's going to have a platform. As, you know, I expect Fox maybe to try to put the kibosh onto it. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to see he's back out there. I'm not mad that he's on Twitter. I'm mad at myself because this is so obvious. This was obviously the move. I really got it. I was angry with myself. I just said, oh, my God, of course. Of course, this makes perfect sense. It's great for Elon. It's great for Tucker. He's in the basically in the middle of, you know, culture uh, on Twitter. So it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly how that pans out uh, and what Fox does to try to muzzle him since he is still apparently under contract with them until after the 2024 elections. So uh, very interesting. We'll see how that what shape that takes. Um, you know, I, I did not like the firing of Tucker Carlson whatsoever. Uh, we all know why he got fired. He was somebody who spoke the truth. And I, I've had the conversation with, with a few of my leftist friends who were not Tucker Carlson fans and, and really kind of brought them around because there's so many good liberals out there who could appreciate Tucker Carlson, even though they might disagree with him on certain things. They said he was the only guy talking about the war without peddling it without propagandizing to us uh, about it. He's the only one talking about COVID. He's the only one talking about the shots. He was the only one talking about, you know, the corruption in government in both parties. And, you know, even leftists have to admit, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. <laughs> you know? But 
you know, I saw a – there was some good news. There was, there was something I kind of, I guess, hoped for, wished for with the firing of Tucker Carlson. You know, you always got to look for a silver lining, right? I was hoping, well, maybe this will hurt uh, Sean Hannity's ratings. For anybody new to the show, I'm not a Sean Hannity fan. Uh, Sean Hannity, is a, he's a hack. He's an intellectual midget and a rent seeker in the conservative movement, as far as I'm concerned, with no impressive ideas whatsoever. He's a panderer, and he sold you on every single war out there. And really, it, you know, he, he features the deep state on his show. This is a guy who tried to lash himself to Donald Trump. And Trump willingly went along with it. Apparently, Sean Hannity and him had nightly phone calls. Yeah, Don was uh, was really, really reaching out for the true intellectuals in society. He was getting getting coaching from Sean Hannity. But Sean Hannity, the guy that came out and talked to you that he was trying to help Trump fight the deep state while he wore two, not just one, but two CIA lapel pins. Anyway, apparently his ratings have been crushed. The headline was, Sean Hannity's ratings plunge after Tucker Carlson's Fox News exit. And Tom Woods yesterday sent out an email. I'm on his email list. He's an interesting guy. A libertarian guy. Uh, but it's, it's a cable news ratings thing. And I, I'm not sure if I'm reading this right. You know, every, everybody kind of knows that uh, mainstream news now is for the boomers. No offense, boomers, but if these numbers are correct, if I'm reading this chart correctly, apparently that's what it is. Listen to this. So in the, I guess, the most valued demo for networks, the 25 to 50-year-old demographic, listen to some of these numbers uh, for the Sean Hannity show. I guess he's 9 o'clock, right? 8 o'clock our time at 9 o'clock. In the 25 to 50-year-old demographic, Sean Hannity draws 100,000 people. 100,000 people. His total ratings, a 1.5 million. 100,000 people at 25 to 50. I think this is actually tremendous news. Now, this, this goes across the landscape. This is uh, a lot of Fox. I mean, the, the 5 o'clock show gets 211,000 in the 25 to 54-year-old, uh, out of the 2.3 million that they reach. I don't know what shows on at 5 or 6. I, I don't watch Fox News. I turned it off in 2004 when I realized they were programming me to be a bloodthirsty, warmongering piece of human filth. And so I left Fox long ago. But the numbers are striking. I mean, it's, it's basically somewhere between a, uh, 90,000 and 200,000 is the most they get in 25 to 54-year-olds uh, obviously, it's not the youth. It's not people under 24 that make up the difference between that and, you know, a couple of million per show. It's the boomers. And, you know, but there is another thing, too. I think Tucker Carlson had great impact, and he was obviously the highest rated cable news show. He was, did some very, very interesting segments, uh, did things that, you know, I, I, I really I love Tucker's show because he did speak to a lot of the normies. He was talking to these boomers and telling them things that they'd never heard from the news before, and hopefully they they took some of it in. I think they did, because they've left Sean Hannity in droves. But it, but it's interesting, you know, when you think about, uh, to people who follow politics, who are kind of interested in this stuff, who rant and rave about it, Tucker Carlson, I believe he capped out around 3.3, 3.5 million viewers. You understand that's 1% of the United States. <laughs> he seems like this, this big thing, and it, when it comes to ratings... 
It, it certainly was big. He was their biggest draw and the most successful uh, talk show host out there on mainstream news. Um, but uh, it's still just 1%, so that shouldn't be lost on any of us. But anyway, Fox is definitely suffering, and I couldn't be happier about it. Could not be happier about that. As I say, you always got to look for that silver lining. And uh, Tucker looks like he'll be back maybe in the next couple of days. We'll see. He's going to be on Twitter uh, going forward. So hopefully that works out. All right, some uh, economic news. A little more good news. I found out something about myself the other day. I have really improved. Even with advanced age, as I get older, I've gotten stronger too. And I I actually credit this to our 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 great economy. I'll explain that when we come back. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard, handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel, but it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So I let go, watching you, turn your back like you always do, face away and pretend that I'm not, but I'll be here because you're all that I got. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. I wanted to get into some stuff looking at the economy because it's not even a... uh, I think what we're witnessing... I I have a theory. I think we're about to witness a mass psychological operation that I think might work based on our recent history in this country uh, that people may accept uh, what they're told rather than what they actually experience. So we're going to talk about that. Now, the good news is I found out the other day that even though I'm getting older, every year I seem to get older, I am actually getting stronger. And it actually hit me when I was uh, I was leaving the grocery store the other day, and I had spent $45 on some groceries. A single guy, grocery bill isn't, isn't huge. Most of my money is spent with uh, Stonington Farms as I get their fantastic grass-fed uh, beef. But I carried out $45 worth of groceries, and I needed to reach for my keys in my pocket, and I realized I was holding my $45 worth of groceries with one finger <laughs> so I can only assume I've gotten much stronger because I do remember a day that uh, $45 worth of groceries was like half a cart. There was no way I was holding it up with one finger. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, in in the economic world right now, what everybody is waiting on is uh, what's going to be happening with the debt ceiling. So uh, what I do for every bit of political theater is announce it with my new theme song for the political theater segment of each show. Yeah, so we've reached that part of the political season that is, it, it, it's like the, uh, you know, every sitcom has its Christmas show or... You know, Survivor vote, votes somebody off the island every time, I guess. I haven't watched it since the first season. But we've reached the debt ceiling uh, rerun. These damn people are in reruns. They could at least keep it interesting. Uh, it's a regular feature of our political process. Just for context here, I did look to see. Congress has uh, revised the debt ceiling 78 times since 1960. 78 times they've done this, and this is... We're in reruns. You should know the script by now. This is the part of the play where Republicans pretend to care about the spending and the Democrats pretend to care about people. 
And the reason that I know that the the GOP, the Republicans, are just pretending to care about spending is because if they were actually serious about the debt and federal spending, they would have these spending battles after a debt ceiling raise, not right before. Because I, I don't want to spoil it for you. You know, when you go to the theater, you like to be surprised. You like to be absorbed in the story and get all the twists and turns. No, you know, nobody wants to, uh, to hear the guy who tells you how the movie ends before you go see it, right? But, so I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, they will raise the debt ceiling. It, it, they will raise it. If the Republicans actually cared about spending at any point, they could have raised this issue, gotten control of spending, at some point after the last 78 debt raise, uh, debt limit increases. They could have curbed spending, did they? No, of course not. So they use it now. Kevin McCarthy will get a bunch of sound bites out there. I've actually heard people saying uh, he's really kind of been the adult at the table. He's really kind of holding his ground. And the Democrats, of course, just want free will spending because they tell you that they love you and they care about you, which is just objectively not, not, not true. Uh, they may. I'm not sure here. So maybe this is the cliffhanger. Maybe we'll have another shutdown. This is kind of like the evil twin in a soap opera, right? Just a, every now and then you get a you get an evil twin to really absorb you. Maybe we'll get a shutdown. You know what a shutdown is, right? Where they take away a bunch of things that the American people might actually use. They keep the bureaucracy that doesn't matter at all in place. Termed air quotes here in the studio, essential workers. Uh, they send everybody home so we can enjoy the parks. This is to really heighten the emotional feel of this shutdown uh, and then they they bring them back to work and give them back pay and bonuses it doesn't save a nickel as a libertarian i'm for a permanent government shutdown that would actually be a twist uh, in the plot that i could get behind but they will raise this thing as they have done 78 times before um I've seen everything from people saying that if they default on this, the dollar's going to crash. And I've seen other people say that's just ridiculous. This is all theater stuff. But it is, it should illustrate to people how unserious the people running this country are. But it doesn't. Everybody will get into their tribes exactly where they're told to get. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, I was listening to Dana Lash and Charlie Kirk one day. And they were talking about spending and one other topic I couldn't remember. And, and I was really wondering, you know, are they wasting our time or am I wasting everybody's time? Somebody is wasting a bunch of people's time because they were talking about this debt ceiling thing like it was going to make any difference in the grand scheme of things. They were praising whoever the guest on with Dana was, was I think praising the fact that Kevin McCarthy was actually trying to cut spending. You know, the difference is something like uh, the Democrats want $42 trillion of deficit spending over the next, whatever it is, 20 years. And the Republicans want $39 trillion of deficit spending over the next 30 years. Those numbers are not completely accurate, but, they, but the proportions are correct. It, it, it's, it's meaningless. And it's all based on these projections that the CBO puts out or, or the, our politicians tell us. They say, well, we're going to do this. It's going it's to save us $1.6 billion dollars. Over 10 years. They, they throw in the over 10 years thing. I guess they use the 10-year thing to make it look like it's an impressive number. Republicans are especially guilty of this. We know the Democrats don't do it because they never cut spending on anything. But they will do this um, very soon. But here's an interesting thing I've been thinking about. Uh, today we got inflation figures. 
We're, we're actually, we've got people out there right now, the core inflation rate I think now is 5.5%. Now, of course, as I've mentioned many times over the course of the past year, remember, it's all compounding now, right? We're a couple of years into inflation. You're not going back to the old prices. We might have a deflationary crash at some point, and you'll get a little bit of relief, but they will start printing money in reaction to a deflationary crash, which will make this inflation look like nothing. My, my prediction. But we got inflation at 5.5% core inflation rate, and we're celebrating that now. See, how, see what they do to us? They make something really bad, and then when it's just bad, it becomes good in the minds of the Americans. It's a very interesting strategy. It does work. You can have, you know, one. we've got such a bad president right now that basically anybody would be an improvement from this guy, even if they're a really bad president. And this is kind of the, this has been the trajectory of the American experiment, probably at least for the last hundred years. Well, I don't know. I'm a John F. Kennedy fan. I think he set out to do some things and we see what happened to him. But now we're celebrating 5.5% inflation. Uh, Biden came out with uh, taking a victory lap over some job numbers. Uh, they released job numbers last week. They showed a beat. More jobs created than, they, than were anticipated. This was the 13th month in a row that supposedly we beat expectations for job growth. Now, I think the previous record was six months in a row of beating uh, job expectations. Now, this is the Bureau of Labor Statistics that puts this out, I believe. The BLS. We should just take out the L and just call it BS. These are heavily massaged numbers. I believe in that figure that they had, and I can't even remember how many jobs they say were, were created. Uh, they do something called the birth-death model, where they just kind of say, they, they lick their finger and stick it in the air, and they say, feels like, feels like 2 million new businesses were created and only 300,000 closed. I mean, they just make these numbers up. And I believe out of this past jobs number, 348,000 of the jobs that they counted for were just a guess on how many businesses were created versus how many uh, went away. They also went back and revised downwardly by like 150,000 uh, jobs the last couple of months. My point being, the economy is not doing well. It's just by any we've got bank failures that continue. Uh, we will get a couple of weeks off where they'll tell us that the banking system is resilient. And then, you know, then there'll be another air quotes here in the studio, one off uh, bank failure again. This is exactly how 2008 uh, played out. We had the Bear Stearns issue and they bear, bailed out Bear Stearns. And I think it was eight months until Lehman Brothers went down. These things are they're slow motion car crashes, but things are not going well. The average consumer is heavily indebted now. We have uh, close to record low savings. We have record high credit card debt. People aren't not, aren't able to afford rent. I mean, it's, all these bad things are happening. Yet they just come out and tell you we've beat job expectations for thirteen months in a row. Again, they do. They go back and revise the other ones. And if they actually got the number right the first time, it wouldn't have been a beat. But they just tell you thirteen months of job growth unanticipated robust job growth we see headlines of, of that we are at the fastest pace of corporate bankruptcies since 2009 i believe 
and we're we're approaching it probably within this year we will eclipse the number of job uh, the number of uh, corporate big corporate large uh, employer bankruptcies more than 2009 at the pace we're at right now but see can they just tell us because i started thinking about it you know with covid they told you this was a deadly disease that was going to kill your baby and your nana now some old people die just like they die every year during flu season elderly people die it's science they just do when i'm elderly at some point i'm gonna die so some people died during COVID, but but they told us it was this threat. To, yet nobody really knew anybody who was dying of COVID. Now, I, there's listeners right Well, I know somebody, Mike. Of course, you would have known somebody. You probably know somebody who died every year. But they hyper-focused us on this. I won't get into the whole COVID thing and the bogus tests and all that stuff. But our own experience was we weren't all dying when we congregated together. Our experience was the football players that they allowed to play SEC football in 2020 who were grunting and screaming at each other and huffing and puffing in each other's face. They weren't dying. All of everything that we saw was telling us, this is the flu, man. But they just told us it was this other thing, and we believed the other thing. Can they do that with the economy? To where you can see record bankruptcies, you can see record Americans' debt, you can see, uh, you know, the dollar sliding. It's still hovering around 100, 101 to 102. I, I watch it every day. I look and see where the dollar is just out of curiosity. They, they can tell us these things, and maybe could they actually get us through a real recession like a 2008-style financial crisis and get us to just not believe that it's happening because they don't tell us it is? Does that, does that make sense to people? Do you know what I'm what I'm saying? We during COVID, I mean, during the the vaccines, we we have a situation with these shots where we know they are not effective. They don't stop you from getting. Matter of fact, the more shots you take, the more likely you're to get COVID. Now studies are showing. WYAB warning you of that kind of thing from the get go of Operation Warp Speed. But we know that they don't work. We know they don't stop the spread. We know that they're hurting people. Yet the narrative is, of course, right? It saved the day. And you should go out and get more. Now, I do believe people are waking up to this. But I'm just going to be very interested to see if we can continue to have a, a real problem in this economy. And the higher interest, we got a bunch of people right now that are not selling homes because they think that this, they, if they just hold out for a few months longer, the Fed's going to cut rates, interest rates will come down, and they'll be able to get what they want out of their house. They're refusing to accept the reality of these higher interest rates and the effect that it has on the value of their house. They think it'll be over in a couple of months. We just got to, if we all hang in there together and nobody sells, we'll get top dollar for our house. Not understanding that if the Fed does start cutting interest rates, that's because something in the economy broke. Unemployment's going to go through the roof. We'll have something similar to the 2008 crisis. I don't know if you remember what happened to housing prices during the 2008 crisis. They went down. So people are refusing to accept the reality, refusing to accept actually what they're, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing. And they're just being told, they get away with this inflation number. And they've been getting away with this for decades. They come out and tell you that inflation is 1.6%. You just saw your kid's tuition go up by 8%. 
You just saw your medical insurance go up by 30%. But they've gotten away with decades of just telling you, oh, look at this, inflation's 1.7%. And people, as I said, I think it should be the American motto, should be, duh, okay. So we're going to see. We're going to see. They keep putting out these rosy headlines, refusing to admit what's actually happening in the underlying economy. I'm going to be interested to see if they get away with it. Be right back. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho. One of the uh, economic statistics that came out that I know has got to chap a bunch of people's butts is uh, supposedly now Joe Biden has the he has the crown of lowest black unemployment in history. All these massage statistics. Here's the problem. What I fight against on this show constantly is viewing the world through red and blue glasses, because previously who had that title? Trump. Lowest black unemployment ever. Uh, The same people are compiling these statistics. I don't believe it under Joe Biden. And we know Joe Biden doesn't care about the black community. You can go back and listen to decades of his speeches. He actually he actually has a great deal of contempt for black people. But somehow, just like everything else, ignore your eyes and ears. Pay only attention to what they tell you. Uh, but uh, the same people were, were ginning up these numbers during the Trump administration. See, everybody knows that Trump accomplished this thing. But when they hear that Biden has got lowest black unemployment ever, they say, well, that's a lie. Same people are compiling these things. You don't know that Trump had lowest black unemployment ever. You just heard the statistic from another lying government agency and you ran with it because it fit with what you wanted it to be. And now it doesn't fit. We need to stop under, st- start understanding this. These people lie. They lie under every administration and these bogus numbers coming out of the government to try to get you to p- not pay attention to your eyes and ears and own experiences. Uh, are not good for us. Speaking of not good for us, I wanted to mention this real quick. Uh, There's currently an immigration reform bill going through Congress, uh, going through the House of Representatives led by Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans. Apparently, they presented eight bills all at once, and I think you had to vote for all of them, something that the uh, the, uh, GOP promised they would never do. You know, they always do this, don't they? We're always going to make sure everyone's got 72 hours to read every bill, and then they float something out on the floor the first day they get get back in office. I mean, they just lie. They just lie. Uh, but one part of this immigration reform is E-Verify. Now, this is a very big program to conservatives. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing that libertarians did with the Patriot Act and the National Defense Authorization Act and uh, everything else that libertarians were warning you about. Uh, calm your jets on this E-Verify system. Uh, I know that you think that what it means is that uh, none of these illegal immigrants are going to be able to work. But I have never been comfortable, even as an employer, with the idea of E-Verify, because it meant that uh, there's a database of who can and who cannot work. How many people ended up on the TSA no-fly list for no good reason? About a million people, I believe, last I heard. Do you really want the government... As much as you think this will combat uh, illegal immigration and uh, hiring illegals, people who hire illegals are just they're just going to pay them cash. They're not going to run them through the system. Uh, maybe there'll be some more penalties for this, but you're accepting another control grid. Here's some of the things Thomas Massey put out uh, on Twitter in the last couple of days, because I'm sure he's wildly unpopular for uh, 
for not showing his true loyalty to E-Verify in face of this migration disaster we're seeing on the southern border. Thomas Massey says, I hear people say E-Verify will be so effective at denying employment to illegals that millions of them will self-deport. For E-Verify to work, that well would require biometric proof of identity for every American and a cashless society. Is this what you want for your children? He also says, if E-Verify background check system is twice as accurate as NICS, the background check system, mandating it federally will cause grave problems for tens of thousands of honest Americans. NICS results in nearly 100,000 false denials each year with only 12 federal prosecutions. See, this is, again, conservatives giving big government more and more power over everything in response to uh, what you see as a crisis. There's ways to solve this. We don't have time to get into them today. But this is not it. Uh, Thomas Massey also says, National E-Verify bill contains vague references to two pilot programs of non-photographic technology you must use to prove your identity to DHS in order to get a job. What is it? Fingerprints? DNA? Retina? Why not just say it in this bill? Is E-Verify actually Patriot Act 2.0? Do you really want a national database run by your federal government that decides whether or not you can have a job, whether you can work for a living? This is another terrible idea, and it's couched in this crisis. They've always got the solution, don't they? I don't know if you've noticed how that's worked out in the past. Got to go. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Here comes the, ready or not, here comes the boy.